So what you hunting? Jesus freaks. I don't know that we're the season, man. Yeah, well... Just tell me, man. They lit her on fire! There were weirdo hippie types. Whole bunch of them. And there, there was a muscle. It didn't make any sense. They were bikers and gnarly psychos and... Crazy evil. Welcome back to Queer Horror Cults. Yeah, welcome back, welcome back. We're doing the uh, usual dance of sitting across the table, just staring at each other, seeing who's going to start us off. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. <laughs> Anytime, I guess. Uh, yeah, welcome back. We are still sort of adjusting to our new recording space and all that. We're currently being uh, bombarded by cats. <laughs> They're sort of all over us right now, but hey, the more the merrier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we're doing something uh, a little bit different than our usual show. We're following, we've, although I guess we've done this before with some movies, uh, but we're just going to focus on one title today. Um, so, you know, in the vein of our Halloween episode or when we did Us mm-hmm. and uh, that, that fun stuff. This week, we're talking about... Probably my favorite movie from 2018. It's up there for me. That's Absolutely. For sure. uh, we watched or rewatched uh, Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen this since theaters, and watching it again, I was reminded of why it was so cool to be able to go see this in theaters. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, it's one of those like visual audio sort of treats that mm-hmm. just seeing it on a big screen when the surround sound was really nice. Yeah, and it was cool having that be the first experience of it. Yes. I mean, I think if if you watch it in home video and then later get a chance to see it in theaters, it would still be, like, an experience. Like, you know, that's what, when I got to see, like, Texas Chainsaw in theaters. Or Suspiria, very visual film as well. but... But there's something about that being the first, like, viewing of it. It was magical. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, this one, yeah, came out last year, and uh, just some of the basic sort of stats out of the way before we start, just a little background info on it. Uh, it was directed by Panos Cosmatos. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Cosmatos? I don't know. Uh, I don't know where the stress is. It said very sort of Greek-sounding kind of... Yeah, like the first and last name ended in S. That's, I mean, not necessarily Greek, but like that that's where my mind goes. That's where your mind goes. Okay, Especially okay. the cosmo, like, yeah, totally. Pan, even, I know pan is a Greek word, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, you think of Pandora, pan. Pan means all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I'd mentioned uh, being familiar with uh, some of his dad's work, George P. Cosmatos, who mm-hmm. did uh, Of Unknown Origin, and one of my fucking personal favorites, Leviathan, which was the uh, sort of mix between aliens and the thing, but at the bottom of the ocean, starring Robocop. It sounds like it fucking absolutely great. fucking smacks. No, that's like going to be the first thing we watch if we ever do sort of like a deep sea horror movie. Well, that's we just going to be. know that we have. You've seen my childhood bedroom. It's. Yeah. All there's fish stickers on the wall and there still are because I've been too lazy to fucking do anything about it when yeah. I've lived there. So yeah, yeah. My, the walls are blue. My quilt has a big red fish on it that I got as like a two year old and named Fred the Red. Oh, I love it. Right? It's so it's good. Like you're a little commie when you're a little kid. <laughs> I love it. No, apparently that the story was, um, you know, we got me my, my, my big girl bed. Yeah out of the crib and so my mom like let me know like okay we're gonna like start looking for some bedding and um we were at whatever store i think maybe even with my grandmother and i saw this fish one and i put up the biggest like biggest stink like i put my foot down it was like i am not physically leaving this store without fred the red and she was like well we could look at other stuff and i was like no this is this is the it's one. This one it's fred it's the red. this one and and that's what it ended up being that's so good <laughs> well um served you well over like the last couple decades since yeah then, so. yeah my quilt still functions mm-hmm. good 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 <laughs> all right so we'll we'll do an underwater horror thing maybe sooner rather than later that sounds like fun um because i have a bunch perfect but yeah, this one also, Mandy, when I say this one, I'm not talking about Leviathan Not Fred the Red. Right <laughs> or Fred the Red. Mandy stars uh, Nicolas Cage as Red. So there's your, there's your little there time. There is our there's segue. segue. And uh, Andrea Riseborough as the title character, Mandy. And also Linus Roach as Jeremiah Sands. Holy shit, this dude does a good job. Is like the creepiest fucking dude ever. But I just wanted to pause on Andrew Riseborough for a second. Uh, when I was in Berlin earlier this year, I got to see Nancy play as part of their lineup, and it was starring her as, mm, in likes, that case, the title character. She likes to play titular lady yeah. characters whose names end with Y, two syllables. Yeah. Yeah, they rhyme there. Yeah. I don't know very, going with that. Very but... <laughs> different kind of character, but she does oh, a, a good job in that. She... Um, it's weird. I get not quite in the same way, but I sort of get mild like Angela Bettis vibes mm-hmm. off of her. And, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's the eyes. Yeah, maybe. It's one of those things where if there was a Carrie remake yet again, it'd be like, get her to play Carrie like post high school kind of thing. You know, like what's yes. Carrie up to now? <laughs> and then this one was produced by one of our favorites, uh, Spectre Vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's made up of... Daniel Noah, Josh C. Waller, and Elijah Wood. They are responsible for some great movies we've seen. Some true Most notably classics of cinema. The Greasy Strangler. But yeah, we also Strangler. have like Cooties, what we've discussed. There's Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah. There, there are some winners in there. Yeah, they're one of those ones where if I see their names attached, I'm... I'm immediately like, well, I'm, like, I'm interested at yeah, least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're actually, I believe, producing... Uh, Richard Stanley of Hardware and Dust Devil Fame's mm. newest movie, uh, The Color Out of Space, based on H.P. Lovecraft, and it's going to star Nicolas Cage. So, oh, sick. More cosmic you know, horror. Yeah, more cosmic horror. And, nice. you know, Lovecraft's so good at that that I'm so glad Lovecraft is in the public domain because I would never want to give my money to someone that fucking racist. Word. Yeah, oh, it is, uh, 
it is a conflict reading some of his work because <laughs> I love so much of the horror of it and like you know it's an important sort of stepping stone into a lot of this kind of genre work but absolutely geez some of the shit that that like that flies fucking in that. guy it feels like it would have been considered outdated and racist in the like, 1920s when he was writing this shit yeah there are people who are probably like like whoa, whoa dude that's kind of racist don't you think like other white people yeah like i'm wondering if the paper that is uh stories were printed in was like their version of stormfront or something <laughs> like who the fuck knows like it very well could have been honestly yeah. I kid, I kid, but also <laughs> fuck that dude's racism and fuck him for it. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So, Mandy, it's uh, it's interesting. The plot can really be summed up in a couple sentences at its most basic. Yeah, at its most bare bones, it's like, so, like, you could come up with so many movies that have mm-hmm. the same, like, base skeleton plot structure. Well, I remember you basically pointed out that in, in your mind, uh, and I agree with this, Mandy is just a better version of Drive Angry. Did I point that out? Yeah, you did. You're just like... Oh, yeah, when we watched Drive Angry, I was yeah. like, why why have this when you have Mandy? Yeah. <laughs> I know that I know Drive Angry came first, and maybe yeah. Drive Angry, like, stumbled so Mandy could soar. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah, the whole the whole, like lady friend relative type person in a cult bad shit happening to her nick cage raging out and like fighting some culties and blood shedding yeah. and this will be the last that i slag on draft angry for today <laughs> because i really don't want to slag it because i didn't think it was that bad i don't either i was just um not all it was hyped up it wasn't what i was be. hoping it to yeah. be like you know that's on me but same here. it's one of those things where it's like i will say that this seemed like more appropriate like mm-hmm. the few scenes he's in a car in this it's just like now this is now, now this is this is angry driving yeah. if i've ever seen it he is driving angry mm-hmm. even the motorcycle he drives angry yeah i'm like this is the angry nick cage that i wanted but say levy uh, but yeah, that that is basically the plot. Uh, Red and Mandy live in the woods, and a, they're in love. They're in love, and a cult out in the area sees Mandy one day and decides the cult man, the, the leader. cult man, is like, I need her. Yeah, because so, you can tell the the like the lady, whatever the fuck her name, the the older lady, the sensual lover, the most the sens- most sensual, the most sensual lover. lover Jeremiah has ever taken. Um, She's pit like she's she's not happy. She's probably less than stoked about yeah. his obsession, but yeah. No, there's definitely that. I mean, she has the like long, gorgeous gray hair and stuff. So she's I you can, she's definitely got that whole like crone motif going where she's past mm-hmm. her prime and he's mm-hmm. latched onto this new younger thing, and so she resents her for it. Yeah, and part of it is also like the cult brainwashing. So of course she takes it out on the victim as opposed to like jeremiah being a fucking creep yeah so but but some uh, bad things go down and then nicholas cage is left seeking revenge Mm -hmm. and that is the basic basic plot of this movie Mm -hmm. but there it's like and it's funny because the story and plot is not the movie's strong point it's not what i love about it kind of thing so, like, I say there's so much more to it than that, but it's not necessarily that there's so much more to the plot than that. Like, there is. It's almost but... like, I don't know, at times it's so fucking bonkers, it's almost like an anti-plot. It's like anti-matter yeah. in plot <laughs> form. 
Yeah. This is my brain on Mandy. So we oh, just wa- we just re- rewatched it before recording. So yeah. So if we're a little scattered, <laughs> that's probably. Why. Yeah, we're still in like visual trip mode. Yeah. But uh, I guess right off the bat, this movie kind of plays its uh, sort of aesthetic for you mm-hmm. very early on. Like this is a very aesthetic movie it's one of those Mm. ones that i would have called and i do still describe this one as having argento lighting but like this whole movie is argento lighting and then some and washed in it not even and very like monochromatically so yeah yeah in a lot of scenes at least yeah for in case you're wondering what we mean by argento lighting also suspiria lighting would work uh anyone that has seen Suspiria or any of Argento's classic work would know exactly what we're talking about, but it's when uh, color light is used in very unique or interesting ways to like hyper realistic, like not even hyper realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not not realistic at all. It's eschewing realism for uh, for Fucking this beauty, man. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I think of one of the classic shots in Suspiria is when, I believe, Susie is in the bed and the room is awash in uh, red, I think. She's highlighted in blue. And then as the door is opening, this green light mm-hmm. is leaking in. It's just, like, all these, like, prime colors just blocking out the scene. Mm-hmm. But in a way where it's like, yeah, there's no actual realistic light source. Like, like... When we talk about movie uh, music being added to a movie, we talk about non-diegetic sound. This is like non-diegetic lighting <laughs> totally. kind of thing. And Mandy does that a lot, but it's also a lot of like sort of camera flares, but not in that sort of like 90s action way. Just mm-hmm. in sort of like it's a wash in this weird glow. It's like if you've ever hopped on an image editing program, I don't think it has to be Photoshop, but if you go to like the color balance type tool and you just slide the slider for like hue to some yeah. different place and everything turns like magenta everything yeah. turns red like that that's what it looks like yeah i imagine that's probably a lot of how it was worked too because i'm sure some of the lighting was done on set uh oh, yeah. some scenes where you could tell that it most likely was but i imagine a lot of that color wash stuff uh would have made... had to at least been like or enhanced yeah. perhaps i'm completely wrong and this is one of those things where it's like they did ridiculous practical stuff kind of like in the fountain how all the cosmic effects in that were done practically where i think it was just like close-ups of like inks being like mm. injecting things cells dividing stuff and that was blown up to be like cosmic space shit oh, okay um, maybe that's how they did some of this but you know not to knock it either way like yeah. uh it's it's an interesting blend because it's so saturated with this stuff that you don't really feel like it's otherworldly. It's otherworldly to watch. One thing I was thinking while I was watching this was it reminded me of the that condition uh, synesthesia. Oh yeah. Have, have you heard of that? Where yes. it's like your your senses trigger other senses, and it's often commonly like sounds trigger visual colors. Yeah, or people like taste color or yeah. associate color with like numbers or yeah. yeah I've heard all sorts of different things where, where yeah it's just almost like this cross wiring of senses yeah. and that's that's kind of like the vibe I was getting from this with the way the score like the score plays throughout the entire movie pretty much like there is barely a segment without music of some kind even if it's mm-hmm. the most minimalist minimalist single tone going up until the end credits and the end credits are silent right and that was a an interesting thing but with the music going constantly 
throughout and the color stuff and the music and the color was often done together Mm -hmm. like you know a composer composing the music to match the visuals that's actually like a good way to do it shocker right yeah it's pretty standard (laughs) it seems to be what a lot of the good ones do yes um but with the sort of like tripped out visuals and the tripped out soundscapes it really gave me that sort of synesthesia kind of simulated yeah 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 yeah. like i'm not speaking from someone who has that because i don't and and just like what what i've read about it like yeah you're just like i think i get it this was the thing that sparked in my mind when uh from having heard about this before Mm -hmm. like this is like the closest i'll probably experience yeah to it speaking of music i just want to give a quick shout out to the composer uh johan johansson which is fucking great because what does that mean? Oh, she's like Johan, son of Johan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Icelandic composer who this I believe was his last movie before he passed That's away. That's what I remember like, hearing. Untimely passing away, so the movie mm-hmm. was dedicated to him. But his score on this is really good. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of film scores mm-hmm. outside of the movie themselves, uh, but this is one of the few ones I definitely have on my computer. And yeah, so it's good stuff. But the movie's not just visuals and sound. There's a lot going on here. At least I think there is. You seem to think there is too. So I'm interested to see what we've both cooked up mm-hmm. from this viewing. Because I was taking notes and you are pulling up articles and stuff. Yeah, because I, I, you sounded like you had so much to talk about and you're taking all these notes. And so I, I hear like, do you have the horn of Abraxas? And I was like, mm, let's Google Abraxas. <laughs> that kind of just like triggered a whole route for you mm-hmm. of things to think about. Definitely. Um, so I guess, should we start from the beginning of the movie, I guess, and yeah, go that way? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. The movie opens with this block quote that I wasn't able to scroll down the whole thing. I should have just taken a picture. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it starts with, when I die, bury me deep, lay two speakers at my feet. And it's just talking about, like, blast me with rock and roll mm-hmm. when, I, when I'm dead. And that kind of kicks off this weird sort of metal thing going on throughout the whole movie like i've heard people talk about this as like a a heavy metal horror like there's a Mm -hmm. metal thing and i've never seen heavy metal horror that had that metal is so absent from the movie right (laughs) but i still get it it's like yeah that's that's that yep and it's still pretty Um, established there i made a a a little list a running list of metal things Mm. i noticed like the Um, motley crew and black sabbath yeah that was a big one like mandy's always wearing like she has motley crew and a black yeah she's not wearing like red shirts she's wearing Like yeah, banchers. like 80s banchers. Oh, yeah, this takes place in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's actually elements that made me think, okay, that ties in with that setting, too. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's funny, it's set in the 80s, but it's not like a Stranger Things kind of thing. Because yeah. they live out in the woods. They're removed from society. Yeah, so, so there's, there's not this, like, cultural nostalgia circle jerk yeah. of, like, oh, remember when we did this? And I, I like Stranger Things, don't get me wrong, yeah. but... It's getting a little tired. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a big difference from between nostalgia when it's just like, that was good then, it's still good now. Or it's like, oh, I enjoyed those when those were things. And the whole, like, if only we could go back to the 80s and I could, like, nut my mouth while solving a Rubik's Cube like and rewinding and... before I return my videos to the store. Totally. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for those things, but I don't base my fucking life around it. Like your personality. <laughs> One of these times we're just going to have to do an episode on nostalgia because you've brought this up so many I times. I have. I, I said I want to do an episode that's like, fuck them 80s or something. Okay, let's, we'll, we'll, but, we'll curate yeah. a list and we'll figure out a anti-nostalgia <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm into it. I'm excited to see what you can come up with. Yeah, I'm curious too. 
I, I think part of it would be finding work that was done at these times that we're all nostalgic for from populations, e.g. people of color, e.g. Mm. gay and trans people that are like, you know, looking at, say, Reagan's America being like, yeah, my life was fucking hell. We're all dying of like AIDS and being completely abandoned by the government and the healthcare system. And- yeah, we're very nostalgia. Well, that is the... the uh- Fucking rose-colored glasses, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But also very whitewashed glasses and Absolutely. very colonial glasses and very, like, there's yes. a, heteronormative glasses. There's a very specific thing we're nostalgia for. Like yeah, it's this, this, this idealized past that never existed. I like your idea of, like, let's look outside that box. Let's see uh, what people of color, what... Yeah, especially the stuff groups. that was coming out of that period. As a, I mean, I'd be interested, too, in seeing, like, a look back from today's perspective from those perspectives, but also what was made at that time. Yeah would be worth I'm start examining. doing some research. I'll see yeah. what I can come up the with. The only thing that comes up to me is like Paris is burning or something, but Right. I don't know. There's there's got to be other stuff out there. Yeah, maybe we could check out cruising because you know mm. that is like I do want to see that. Oh, well, I want to watch it anyway, yeah, <laughs> but it is uh it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but anyway, um, back to talking Mandy. about metal things from Mandy. So we got like those 80s band shirts. Uh she, at the start, she's doing these paintings that they just look like metal album covers to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the imagery. Okay, and I'll say this now, because we're talking about metal a fair bit throughout, I'm sure. If I say a type of metal, please don't come on and correct me saying, like, um, actually, like, if I call something power metal, I'm not saying it because I know what power metal <laughs> is exactly. It's just what it evokes in it my mind. It just sounds right. I will say right off the bat, I am so ignorant of metal and its subgenres. And, you know, feel free to tweet at me, but I'm not going to sit here and give a shit about someone sliding their their glasses up their nose and be like you said epic power fantasy metal when it's actually epic fantasy power metal and it's like with symphonic elements care kind of thing i don't care and i'm not trying to slag on people who love metal and that's their jam you do you i i'll consider here teen me salutes you yeah i'll sit here and take apart all those like oh that's this punk movement that's that punk movement but i also realize nobody gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) anyway so the paintings evoke that very sort of like eighties like power metal fantasy kind of like totally. gonna ride the evil even the to book the that she's reading <laughs> yeah, like yeah. When, when she's when she's like um, reading it out loud you get a glimpse of the passages and kind of read ahead a little bit or like the image on the cover has that very similar kind of like fantasy like you yeah. talked about mm-hmm. fantasy but that could easily be integrated I they think could be into Dio songs kind of thing. yeah like it's like Someone could make an album about this and it would fit right in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the high fantasy aesthetic. Uh, Horn of Abraxas, uh, I'm interested when we get back to it for, for your analysis, but like that just seems like another, like, I could see an album called that. Like, yes. Time to listen to the Horn of Abraxas yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cults, there's devil worship, there's motorcycle demon gangs, which makes me just think of like meatloaf, bad out of hell <laughs> kind of stuff, you know? Uh, there's church burnings. The title card for Mandy is done in this, like, death metal font Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, there's so much of, like, this metal imagery. Um, the movie opens when we see the first text with, like, this sound, like, metal guitar riff, just like, you're like, oh, this is going to be an epic fucking 20 minute song by, like, Dragon Sound or something. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure I played this. Oh my god! <laughs> I was about to be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I played this in Guitar Hero, but 
Whoops. Time for, time for some sounding of the dragon. No, that's, a, no, well, that's like the Freudianist slip. I would say that's the Freudianist slip I've ever done. Miami Connection. Watch it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, uh, but then it goes into like King Crimson. And then you get a bit of a riff later when he's going to the church where you've got like some drums going in the background and a bit of guitar. Other than that, there's very little of those typical metal elements in mm-hmm. the soundtrack, in the aesthetic. It's all like kind of surrounding it. So I just found it so interesting that people call this a metal movie. And I'm just like, yep, sure is. Yeah. And then like when I actually sit there and look for this stuff, it's like, I mean, it's there. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like they hit the bare minimum to be able to be considered that. Yeah. And then it's like bookended. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because it's kind of like this aesthetic that is there within the world of the movie without it being the focal point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just want to say the scene of the tiger roaring in front of the full moon. It's oh, like, can yeah. I get that airbrushed on a van? <laughs> I don't have a van, but I three would get tiger one. Moon. Just, just to get a three tiger moon painting on the side. <laughs> oh, God, speaking of van airbrushes, I recently saw on Twitter someone did a phantasm mural in the van, just said phantasm across the side, <laughs> and I fucking love it. <laughs> Oh, legends only. Um, but yeah, so right off the bat, we get this metal aesthetic kind of thing. And then we're immediately brought into the the world of Red, where he's this lumberjack out in the middle of fucking nowhere, like chainsawing trees. We've got the King Crimson playing, and this helicopter picks him up to take him home. Like, presumably it's the end of a rotation mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he's going home to his little, like, it's almost like a chateau. Like, it's crazy. It's all windows. The, the mm-hmm. walls are windows, and it's like it's the coolest deluxe. thing. Um, where he and Mandy live. And we get uh, sort of like little idyllic shots of their life, you know, like enjoying each other's company in the canoe, by the fire, by the lake, just, you know, sitting in each other's arms talking and enjoying life. They're watching Night Beast at one point, <laughs> which absolutely slaps because I recently saw Vinegar Syndrome's version of Knife Beach, Night Beast. And it is, like, the most ridiculous fucking movie. It's, Sounds like fun. It's super cheese. Like it, Well, you saw the clip. It yeah. is super cheese. All of these images, and then when they lead into the cult stuff, but the beginning stuff, it kind of reminded me of some of the English courses, like the lit courses I took. Mm-hmm. Specifically the one when we did the gothic novel and all that. Everything made me think of the sublime. Like, this movie encapsulates that in uh its visual style and its storytelling uh so i figured i'd maybe go into a little bit of a background on what that is please do um it's based in its most basic sense the sublime is that which is beyond ordinary experience it's the grandeur and the grotesque kind of thing it's Mm -hmm. like i think a very big distinction is it's distinct from beauty it was often tied right. to nature and landscape stuff. So you might say, like, this is a beautiful garden. This is a beautiful forest or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sublime is, it's distinct from that where, like, say, a big, jagged, towering mountain could be said to be beautiful. But the sort of, like, powerful feeling it gives you of grandeur mm-hmm. is sublime. It's different from beauty. Yeah. And where that distinction comes from is it was believed that there was a lot of terror in the sublime. Like, it's the idea of getting ecstasy from terror Mm. in the sublime. Like, there's something terrible about it. And not in, like, the negative sense. Something dangerous. Yeah, it's... uh, Threatening. It's almost like it's beyond comprehension, but in comprehending it, 
you it's that's where the joy is brought from mm. like uh it's terrifying but you don't necessarily have to be afraid of it is is uh i believe that was kant who said that yeah okay kant uh, kant thank you thank Anytime. you but it was originally defined by longinus in like 3 AD Greece or some shit like that. Like, oh, yeah, we get some great words from them. Yeah. Like um, eudaimonia and shit. And one of his big things, though, was he says that sublime is not for the low or the vulgar. It was for sophisticated and high-class people to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baguette. It's like, <laughs> you're just, um, oh, I appreciate the terror of this mountain that towers above me because I am so smart and oh so cultured that I can look beyond the mortal terror these heights impose on me and I can appreciate how it is beyond me as a mere human, blah, blah, blah. And it like destroys my ego and makes me realize that I'm but a speck in the cosmic universe Yeah, and my life will be inconsequential and meaningless and that's terrifying, but I'm okay with it because I'm just so smart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And that's one thing I like about Mandy was it was mixing that's sublime with metal which a lot of people would call metal heads that are really diehard would probably think so it's it's very highbrow and like you have to be smart to get it i'm not gonna say you that is true or not i i don't have a stake in the in the Mm -hmm. horse race i mean you know real like like the real fans of like anything would probably say that you have to have a certain amount of like intellectual intellectual intellectuality to be able to truly appreciate it and but but i think the the common culture mm-hmm. looks at metal as being so low absolutely like that, yeah that's more I going, where i yes. think it's an interesting contrast absolutely like whether you think it's low or not that is kind of the imposed idea on it so the sort of metal aesthetics in this sublime kind of thing and i think mm-hmm. this movie's filled with the sublime where we have uh you know they live in the forests, in the mountains. Get these beautiful aerial shots when they do the yeah. credits at the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. just... Uh, just an endless sea of trees. Well, like, when there's that scene early on when Mandy is walking through the forest, and it looks like something out of Lord of the Rings, more mm-hmm. than just, like, a northwest, like, the Midwest kind of mountain yeah. range sort of thing. Or even... Um, that's what I meant. Yeah, when there there's that scene where she's, like, coming out of the water or something, and... Red's kind of looking at her, and she. When I asked, when I pointed out that she looked like she was wearing a contact because one yeah. eye, the like line around the iris, mm-hmm. just looks so like thick and black yeah. and everything like that. Um, actually, one of the she's art- emerging from this black lake, like it's yeah. jet black. Like it was that scene in particular that people are one thing that I was reading when I was looking up Abraxas and all this stuff po- posited that Mandy might actually be. They might be hinting at this sort of like divinity to her. Okay, or that, like, I, I definitely want to come yeah. back to that specific so, shot of her coming out yes. of the lake. Okay, we'll do we that. Get to that. So yeah, um, but I think the sublime in this is often accented with the use of music and like, mm-hmm. the color. Like we see these shots, like when the cult first sees her, it's much like the landscapes that are awash in red. Like the yeah. screen is completely red, and she's walking, and they see her. So it's almost like she is the sublime. I was to the cult kind of yes. thing. Like. Um, she is otherworldly. She is beyond. She is so imposing in this way that... And he ha- that Jeremiah has to have her. And and in a lot of, like, Jeremiah's shitty insecurities and, like, ego trip and all that stuff, I would say that there is terror in her for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he is this imposing, shitty dude. But he acts that way in response to 
Mandy's like elevation above him. Yeah, yeah, no, he, it's like she's this thing that because she has this sublimeness to her, she has to be like possessed, conquered, and. That's a good way to put it. It's kind of like someone's like, oh, there's a mountain. I have to climb it. Yeah, like this, 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 like you have to, I have to have this like dominance over it because otherwise it risks undermining my entire like ego and sense of being. So I have to either, as we see, either conquer it or destroy it. Mm -hmm. Just before I get off the whole notion of the sublime, one thing I noticed is when we get the uh, Black Skulls, like the biker gang kind of thing, Mm -hmm. is there is this little bit that it's very Hellraiser, Mm -hmm. where um, Red is uh, talking to his buddy, picking up that uh, crossbow because he's like getting his, planning his revenge, right? Yes. And the guy telling him about the biker gang mentioned that he'd seen them once. And, you know, they're kitted out in like spiked armor uniforms like they look like cenobites almost yeah. but like it, you can't see them clearly enough to make that judgment kind of thing because they're always relegated to the it's shadows more that they're like so bdsm on. demon gear yeah, that you're yeah. like cenobites man but the guy says um they were in a world of pain and the freakiest part was they fucking loved it mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it's like if that isn't the sublime where um as edmund burke said in 1757 with a philosophical inquiry into the origin of our ideas of the sublime and beautiful. Because, you know, back in the 18th century, everything had to have a fucking title page long title. Oh, yeah, and then, like, a whole last treatise on it. Yeah. Um, But he said that uh, sublime invokes terror, but with an inherent pleasure Mm -hmm. in, in in the emotion to it. So it's the kind of thing where it's just this idea of these people that are in a world of pain and they're doing the most fucked up, like, grotesque things because um, once sublime, well, the sublime had been defined, it was pretty much added. It's not just grandeur of beauty. The grotesque is also sublime. Yeah. So these grotesque figures, and they just fucking love they're it. They're ecstatic, so, yeah. They've, so, like, yeah. reached ecstasy. And it also makes me think of, um, I haven't read it in so long so i can't comment much about it but kristeva talks about Mm. the sublime and the abject the abject yes and not being opposites of one another but so when you talk about like the the terror and the the ugliness i guess almost that Mm -hmm. the mortality of it it's like that's the abject and that's like wrapped right up in there it's not like beauty and ugliness or or like uh ecstasy and Uh, transcendence versus like death and decay it's like no it's all yeah. it's all one which makes me wonder if uh, you could do a someone probably already has but a treatise on like the sublimation of extreme horror kind of thing mm. like those movies that deal in the grotesque kind of thing and the joy we as watchers get out of them i like like maybe this dude would have just been so into the saw sequels or something <laughs> like that like who knows um but yeah that was a my English degree put to use. Thank you. Finally. It's only been, what, three years, four years since I graduated? So, yeah, that's the sublime. Um, but after this trip of them being to, together and all happy, and then the gross cult dude sees them, one of the first things he orders his henchmen to do is go out and get her. And to do so, they need to bring up the Horn of Abraxas. So, you looked this up. Mm-hmm. What is Abraxas? Like, what what were you able to pull on this? So Abraxas is, we're not totally sure. It has, like, um, it has magical, it's a word that has appeared on 
a lot of like ancient Greek coins and all sort of like tied up in like ancient Greece, Rome and Egypt because there was a lot of crossover. We know we had um, Greek rulers of Egypt and Rome had a very big fascination. Like I saw Egypt as being the source of like mysticism. Like if it was mystical, it probably came from Egypt. Mm, So there's, so I think the Braxis, um, I know it was taken up by Gnostic Christians in early Christianity, and it was sort of like a mystery cult. Okay, okay, because you mentioned Gnostics, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm familiar with agnosticism. Yeah, no, this what is, is Gnosticism. Gnosticism, yeah. Um, an early Christian, I don't want to say cult, because not, not in like a, how we understand cults today, but like a mystery cult kind of thing. It Would you say like, like a sect? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of things we talk about like in ancient greece and places like that where a lot of gods had dedicated like cults to them and so we don't mean like brainwashing cult but you don't like, mean jonestown you mean yeah like, i think that would be sect i think yeah or, probably yeah. that's probably what we'd call it today and then you have the mystery cults where you have certain cults where they're like open to like anybody i, I mean even in um, ancient greece like the ellicinian mysteries right the mysteries of eleusis with um, persephone and her mother they were open to anybody but a right. lot of the mystery cults are called that because their mysteries were a secret to everybody except those who belonged to the cults and you couldn't just gain admission. There had to be either some kind of like initiation, invitation, what have you. So a lot of that information we have, mm-hmm. lot, even the, the cult of Eleusis, like we're not quite sure what they were supposed to see at this pilgrimage that they right. partake, would partake in. So anyway, um, Abraxas. So I guess this word that has appeared it has a link to abracadabra with the, like, as, as we know, this word today is with magical properties where I guess Abraxas, if you took the Greek letters and they corresponded with numbers, it would add up to like 365, which is a significant number. Oh, given. so numerology comes yes, into it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so as many um, sort of more ancient or I guess at this point, maybe not as ancient, but early sort of like non-hegemonic Christian cults are subsumed i I guess the gnostics were like screwed over by like mainstream christians and also like the the pagan roman empire so a lot of the texts have been lost and everything but um as with many pre-modern deities um at some point they decided that abraxas is like oh he's a demon now oh okay yeah so i think um i think abraxas like he may have been i know he has like trickster qualities and it sounds like from one of the things that i was reading that he would trick those who um, encounter him into believing that he is the one true God. Okay. So when you see people who are like, oh, maybe Jeremiah like is a Braxis, it's like, oh, he kind of he has those, those vibes where okay. he's like trying to say like he's the chosen one and mm-hmm. they didn't appreciate me, but this is all for me. And you, or he may be possessed by Abraxas because, like, when you see him, like, yell at himself in the mirror, like, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And then he, oh, okay, like, I got it. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's open for interpretation for sure. But there was, um, so you have, like, like I said, Abraxas appear, the word appears on, like, various ancient artifacts. There's no horn of Abraxas that was specifically a Mandy thing. Right. But one. Or one one article I was looking at. Of course, they have to make the comment. Well, it's clearly a phallic object. <laughs> I mean, this movie does center around like pretty misogynistic violence, so yeah. it, that's not a stretch, I don't no. think. But I guess um, one of the other things that one article pointed out to me is that the Gnostics believed in 
a sort of like what we understand now is like quantum entanglement where this idea of the possibility of different realities or timelines whatever you want to call them existing i just want to say that i think it's great how um you just said what we now understand as quantum entanglement and i nodded like mm-hmm, i oh, understand yes. this well i guess sorry what i, well, <laughs> no, what no, I mean that's... by that is is we have a name for this yes, theory yes. now that's me i just nodded <laughs> along as if i knew what you were about to talk like about. there are physicists too who are people who, who, who know way more about physics than me who'd be able to be like oh yeah 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 this totally man and um so one person was, or when an author was um, hypothesizing that blowing the horn of Abraxas almost causes the collapse of all these dimensions together, and that's where this like crazy fucking trip that is Mandy comes from. Okay. And these like devil demon bike riders are just this like fast forwarded all of these possibilities collapse into one, becoming just this crazy ass monstrous trip. Right. And I guess with the ending scenes, too, where you're like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Are they meeting again? Are we just having flashbacks? Are they like, whoa, man? Yeah. And then it shows him, I think you'd mentioned, like, something to do with the ending, because it shows him driving off, and we see, like, Jupiter and Saturn, like, hovering up in space. The planets, yeah. It calls back to their earlier speech of, like, what's your favorite planet? And they're talking about why. Yeah, but... and one thing that was pointed out was in the seat, because where they're in the car, because I think they, they see each other in the bar, this, like, sort of flashback to where they presumably first met. Yeah. And they're wearing the same shirt. And then when, oh, they're, okay. when they're in the, they have that, like, 44 shirt. Yeah. And then when they're in the car, I think she's wearing his shirt, and he's wearing... I can't remember if he's wearing the same shirt, but it's like it's kind of the camera pant like goes back and forth, cuts between them, and their their outfits change. And at one point, she's wearing his really bloodied up outfit. Oh yeah, because um, he she's wearing the forty four shirt when she meets with the cult. Yes. But then presumably they strip her when they yeah. drag her outside because uh, he finds the shirt. He inside, does, and I think he ends and then he's wearing it. it yeah. But he throws on that biker vest yes. on top, so that's where that's it's right. obfuscated. Hmm. So then there calls into question like. Is she real? Is she divinity? Is she just a figment of his mind? Did this all just take place in his mind? And this is just some, like, internal battle of, like, his ego and... It's funny, because I God read it just what. as, like, a memory on his part. That's what I, I did, too. And then, um, The first time, but it's like, there, yeah, there's layers, man. There are, and there's so many, way, like, possibilities of being open for interpretation. Because there's also, um, people pointed out the Jungian-ness of it. Like, Carl, okay. Carl Jung, the early like psychoanalyst Freud's protege who then broke away and like did a whole bunch of drugs and just like trip balls and wrote all about his trips and trying to find the collective unconscious and shit. Right. And, um, still just trying to get over this whole quantum entanglement thing. (laughs) And then, so somebody, somebody pulled up, uh, passage from Jung's red book and I'm like oh red red nobody made this connection here but yeah see if this sounds familiar after watching Mandy okay the serpent is a whore she wantoneth with the devil and with evil spirits a mischievous tyrant and tormentor ever seducing to evilest company the white bird is a half celestial soul of man he biddeth with the mother from time to time descending the bird hath a nature like unto man and is effective thought. What the fuck does that mean? He is chaste and solitary, a messenger of the mother. He flieth high above earth. He commandeth singleness. He bringeth knowledge from the distant ones who went before and are perfected. He beareth our word about, sorry, our word above to the mother. She intercedeth. She want, warn, warneth? What the fuck warneth. does this mean? Warneth? <laughs> but against the gods, she hath no power. 
that first part about like the serpent is a whore and the, and the sort of like serpent imagery. Oh yeah, that's another thing about Abraxas. There's, he's thought to have, he's associated with serpents. I think he's thought to have like two snakes as legs and a very reptilian appearance. Okay. And um, so, and there, there was a bit of like reptile type motif where we have the, um, oh, what was it? There, I don't know. There's, you, you mentioned with the tiger originally it was supposed to be. Oh, it was originally supposed to be a lizard in the script, that's right. I guess. But then you just like, hey, we're doing a tiger instead. Yeah. And, and, and what are lizards but serpents with legs? Yes. And you mentioned the millipedes crawling all over Yeah. And the, when he points, when the, the acid cooker guy points out that the cosmic darkness and yeah these yeah. millipedes they have a serpentine Very appearance serpentine, yeah. and when he wakes up after passing out um from the quad journey he uh there's that salamander just staring at him mm-hmm. yeah so there's a repeated um reptilian amphibian kind yeah. of yeah esque definitely yeah. so yeah it's a. Uh, so Abraxas is bringing uh, universe on universe, and they're all becoming entangled. Something like that. So what you're saying is, through Abraxas, the universe is just one giant rat king. Yeah, man. Cool. I think so. I, I think that's it. what I think that's what they were going for. If I if I had more post production, I would just like insert a bong rip sound effect here. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> um, just rip one from a uh, 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 anti birth. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, with Abraxas and with the way the cult functions, I wanted to look a little more closely at the cult itself in Let's this. Let's do it. And it actually gets into what originally drew me to the wanting to talk about this movie on this podcast. After we first saw it and we were planning a podcast, I was like, oh, we should talk about Mandy. Um, the sort of like feminist issues that come up and like you see a lot of that through the cult and mm. like the cult very much fits this patriarchal mm-hmm. structure with Jeremiah Sands at the top. And uh, he has the the women who exist to please him mm-hmm. and uh, the men who are lack- his lackeys and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So not only is he patriarchal, it's like this dude is so Manson-esque. <laughs> it hurts. Like the one thing that just made me think Charles Manson so much is when uh, he gets Mandy to listen to his record. And it's just like failed <laughs> uh-huh. musician. Check followers that trip out and do all his bidding and think he's the second coming of christ or some shit yeah like it's uh, all over but uh that sequence when he well i guess leading up to that sequence he sees mandy and immediately is just like i have to have her Mm -hmm. and so he comes from it with his mindset of women are things to possess kind of thing which you know like i mean that's feminism 101 as far as like a critique of the patriot uh, Patriot Act. <laughs> of the, of I mean, there patriarchy. are feminist critiques of the Patriot Act, but yeah, no, I'm not quite. Matter. I'm not on that level. I should be because that sounds wild. Um, but when he does that, he brings her into the the house, and he proceeds to talk to her about his philosophy, and she's stoned out of her gourd. So first yeah, they off, drop acid in her eyes. They, like, have some fucking like, it looks fuck like off those beetle. It tarantula hawk, like, wasps. It re- yeah, see, it yeah. reminds me, if you've played if you've played enough of Fallout New Vegas, the Cazadors. Which I mentioned, I think, are based on tarantula totally, hawks, which are, like, yeah. that tarantula-killing wasp Yeah, yeah, they're, they're horrifying. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, roofies. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, how do I get women to be interested in me giant fucking fuck off square quotes scare quotes around that but Mm -hmm. um drug her that's what he does uh but then kidnap and drug uh he goes on this 
ego trip. Like, it's a total ego trip, isn't it? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, do you like the Carpenters? I think they're great, but this is better. And then he plays his record. It's like shitty Ren Fair music. Yeah, where it's like this Ren Fair record of him talking about himself and how great he is. But in past tense, as if he's like this, like... Venerated figure already. Like he's dead, but he's been there forever or something. Yeah. And then he goes on this very tripped out speech that's like his manifesto on the universe kind of thing Mm -hmm. and how he's like this great cult leader. The fucking center of it. And he's just sitting there talking and she's just listening. And And she looks um, like she's just like gonna barf or something. But (laughs) it's one of those things that is just like, how often do we see that with like men out talking women? kind yeah. of thing where it's just like cornering them men and will then talk listen to and me women will listen yeah yes. kind of thing um but then the the fucking like piece de resistance in this is when after that whole spiel and first off during the spiel i love the way he did that where the camera is just focused mm-hmm. on the cult leader and his eyes and never it, close they never close but then it crossfades her face over his yeah. and then fades back, back. but the eyes always remain constant yeah constant so they like share eyes so it's like this thing where they're just staring so deeply into each other's totally black yeah. Um, dilated eyeballs. Um, but yeah, after all of that, she's just like, wait, you made this song? And this is when and he has his dick out, I want to oh, say. Oh yeah, he's got his dick out at this point. Because he's, he's like, he's, like, yes, let's join together. Like, like let's fuck. He basically, he's just like, you're drug. I think we should fuck, so we're going to fuck. Because God wants it. Yeah, and so, it's the divine will of, like, the universe. So it's super rapey. Like, let's yeah, yeah, say yeah. what it is. It's fucking gross. Oh yeah, and all his, like, cultists are sitting around like, like yeah, man. Yeah, but then um, she's like, wait, you made this song, and it's about you? He's and then like, she yes. just starts laughing. And that brings me up to the famous Margaret Atwood quote. That's all I can think That's of. That's all I can think of. It's, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. And it's like, that is the fucking linchpin of this whole... Sequence? Sequence. And, like, what causes the strife in Mandy and all that stuff Yeah, is that idea that... His ego is not being pandered to, and mm-hmm. therefore, she deserves to die. Yeah, kind of and thing. she was already—I mean, she was already threatening because of the sublimity of her. Yeah, that's a word, right? Yeah, Sublimi- we'll go with yeah sublimity, um, sublimeness. But then, like, as soon as she starts laughing, his attempt to regain power is to start jerking off furiously at her. Like, do you remember that? Oh, like, he just, like, gets this angry look on his face and he just starts pounding off. Oh, I, I just then, I just remember her, like, like her laughing. It's almost like you, you think, like, I don't think she's actually laughing that hard as much as that's his perception we're seeing. Because she's, oh, like, sure, yeah. practically screaming laughing. Yeah, but she's, like, it goes into her screaming laughing as he just starts pounding oh, okay. off. And How do I... he's wow. yelling at everyone in the room, don't like, fucking look at me! Yeah. He's just jerking And as they're, like, looking, like, sh- shamefully away, yeah. Um... So it's like, like oh, using we, can't, we can't see him like this. Sexualized violence and weaponizing it to try and control a woman. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? Like this dude is just like gross dude central kind yeah. of thing. Some cult and shit, man. Then immediately after we see the scene of him uh, reassuring himself, where he's like, "What do I do? What do I do?" Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. where it's like he's the front for a Braxis kind of thing. Yeah. Where um he's looking at his reflection, and his reflection answers back. But the reflection says, don't ever doubt yourself. And is that not some white man self-assurance? That is this hat <laughs> yeah. white self-assurance right there. Don't ever doubt yourself because you're not wrong, ever. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, it's the world that's wrong, not you. And with that turning point, 
Uh, Mandy goes from being this special, sublime, sought-after, like-minded person. Like, he says all these things about her. It's like, yeah. we're like-minded, we're kindred like, I feel, spirits. I feel naked and, without her. Yeah. Um, to, he immediately refers to her as that ugly little whore. Yeah. That your is, like, whore. the next thing he yeah. says about her. And, yeah, your whore. Yeah. Like, she is still She property, belongs to but, Red yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing... Um, that he also because like, there's a couple more I guess Abraxas kind of things in this scene where the dude talks about like his his, his lackey guy talks about this is the the filthy sword from like the hell some I don't know it basically it sounds like another one of those like multi dimensional things like this is yeah. probably from the dimension that those those like hell beasts sounds like came a from fat loot drop in a D and D campaign totally yeah absolutely and then um, one thing that Jeremiah says is. You know what Jesus's big mistake was? He didn't offer up a sacrifice in his stead. And how were the the, the crucifix and the imagery is the constant reminder of that. So yeah. it brings back to this idea of Abraxas being a trickster, making you think he's the one true God, because he even found Jesus's fatal flaw. Oh, man. Whereas he wouldn't have fucked up and made that mistake. Um, it's interesting. Uh, this sequence in the yard when they're preparing to burn Mandy and they're having this speech. It harkens back to what I wanted to say about that lake scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed at this point, everyone in the cult just has these jet black eyes. Mm-hmm. Like their pupils are, they're all on drugs and stuff, but like, so right. the people are dilated for that dilate, reason. Yeah. But it's just like, their eyes are like black pits and they're just staring, staring at you. Like and everyone but red has that going on. Right. And then when we see Mandy rise out of, uh, the lake, staring through the flames at Red. Mm-hmm. One eye is normal, and one eye is like the cult. But they're both, they are, because both of her eyes are very, like, dark. Because I, I remember thinking, like, as I'm watching this, before I realized, like, one of them was probably uh, yeah. contact, was that, like, oh, you know, because you always hear this ven- veneration of, like, ang- Anglo, like, Northern European light-colored eyes, blue yeah. eyes, green eyes, you know, anything but brown, which is so common, and, like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, like, this scene is, because her eyes are so dark, I'm like, it wouldn't have been the same if they were lighter. Yeah. But then it, in the following scene where she, like, wakes up, her eyes do look lighter. So yeah. I'm almost wondering if, like, there were two contacts? I don't know. But anyway, I thought that the the, the idea of the dark eyes and that, like, it, that made it that much more impactful. Yeah. Without being like evil or like you know some kind of negative, but I'm wondering thing. how that relates to the cult because the cult all has these sort mm-hmm. of. I I didn't really pay attention to their eyes earlier, so I don't know if things were like more quote normal. unquote normal <laughs> to begin with. Yeah, but during that sequence, everyone's just got these like dark, mm-hmm. dark eyes, super dilated. Yeah, yeah, like um. So, but the way Mandy is lit in that like coming out of the lake scene, she looks like otherworldly she definitely like, does she definitely so does. that there's that hint of that like is she of this world is she divine yeah. is she the like embodiment of the sublime but then the other thing is this is also red looking at her so mm-hmm. it's uh is just, just as jeremiah looks at her as sublime i get the impression red so does, does too red. but perhaps for different reasons yeah and in a different it has a different relationship like he doesn't that. have that fear of her as a powerful mm-hmm. person that maybe Jeremiah does. And then yes. his thing is, I have to conquer her. Whereas, like... Red is like, I'm just, like, lucky Red to needs. be here. Yeah. And enjoying my time. Yeah. Um, I will say there was one thing I, I did wonder about this. And mm-hmm. it is, with the way the movie plays out, would Mandy's death be considered fridging? Following the women in uh. refrigerators trope. 
And for those that don't know, that came out of comic book criticism where women were assaulted, injured, raped, or killed, or something. And or killed, yeah. Um, as a means to spur the male protagonist into action. As a foil for his character, yeah. that she ultimately existed to be brutalized so that he could rise up. Yeah. And become a deeper, more developed character through his grief and his yeah. anger and... And it's hard to figure out how that plays into this. Right. Because uh, this is a revenge story. And so, like, that is the story. That's the trope right it. there. And, yeah. Um, she holds, uh, I would say, a much more important role in things than perhaps her screen time would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you said, that's the trope right there. So, so how in a do nutshell, we, yeah. How, how do we take that? Because, uh, I mean, I think it was uh, sort of like compounded even further. At the end, when he's uh, when Red is confronting Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, "Can't you see this was all part of your journey?" In like his defense of things, he's mm-hmm. basically saying, "Like I had to kill her so that you could come to here and all that come stuff." Come to so me, and I can white clean you of your sin. Like, yeah, that's so it's basically trying to lure just him into the whole spelling shit. out mm-hmm. that that trope yeah. once more. Right. So it's kind of hard. Like, I'm not trying to slag. For sure. But, I, that's, but it, it yeah. fits into a trend for sure. It does. And that's how I kind of came out of it the first time I watched it. I was like, well, I really enjoyed that. But should I be more critical here? I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's because um, when he explicitly spells it out like that, Red's like, yeah, I'm going to crush your fucking skull. Because yeah. to him, it's like, no, Mandy is not a fridging trope to like for my development to of my story like i wish this never fucking happened yeah because as soon as the revenge happens he basically recedes into his own mind well first he yeah he, when he what i don't remember if i remember remember this the first time but he like squishes the dude's skull and like he nuts he nuts yeah yeah and when someone pointed out he nuts yeah he's like oh, oh. <laughs> and you're like whoa that's a little uncomfortable it's very jeremiah of you mm-hmm. <laughs> that and he's like saying all this shit about like because uh, Jeremiah is like, oh, I'm divine, you can't touch me. And then he's like, Red's like belting out these verses like, where the psychotic drowns, the mystic swims, you are drowning and I am swimming. And it's like, yeah. bro. Like, I know at that yeah. point he had like tasted their acid and stuff and was like tripping yeah. fucking balls. But it's like, your voice changed, got really strong. Like, where did mm-hmm. this come from? <laughs> yeah. He like oh, read fuck. some young and was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I love it though. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, because yeah, someone pointed out that um, usually a lot of the times these revenge stories, they build up the revenge, like, oh yeah, this is what needs to happen. And then the hero realizes that they're filled with nothing but, like, despair over yeah. it, because revenge is never the answer. Then, well, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Totally, kind of right? Thing. Or, yeah, or hanging on to, holding on to anger at somebody, or that that sort of, po- is like, drink that whole idea that holding on to spite yeah. and all that stuff is... Like, drinking poison and expecting yeah. the other person to drop dead. But it's like, kills the guy, he nut, and then he's filled with peace. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's he, like... He achieves the sublime. Yeah. Yeah. Kind that's of. very cool. Like, like because he, he has that moment where he's gazing upon Mandy's visage as the car drives off into that weird interstellar cosmic mm-hmm. backdrop kind of thing. So yeah, maybe he did achieve the sublime. Yeah. I don't know. And then at the very end, post-credits, you get that, all those drawings like Mandy's drawings where it's, it's, mm-hmm. you have all that stuff and you're like, which brings back to that idea of, of like, did any of this happen? Yeah. <laughs> Is somebody just like, did a kid with a snow globe imagine it all <laughs> <I feel laughs> in his like, interstellar um, snow globe? 
this is one of those movies that it sort of operates on a level of unreality mm-hmm. to the point where it it the whole did it really happen thing doesn't play in the same way as say a straight laced movie where the twist mm. is like and then I woke up right like yeah. this doesn't fall into that at all it's like yeah. how Plus, much is real how much isn't kind right. of gets so obscured by especially the the with the like blatant all of this like LSD and yeah. and stuff it's like okay a lot of what even feels real to them isn't going to be what yeah. is actually happening well I mean like when they blow the horn of Abraxas and there's just like these Hellraiser Cenobite-esque bikers like that's already just like this ridiculous dose of unreality right there because mm-hmm. they seem like demons from hell like yeah but you have this G- the, I mean like uh, Red even calls them like Jesus freaks. I don't know, weird hippie to like mm-hmm. where they're they're Christian, but they're not because yeah. Jesus's fatal flaw was not sending a lackey in his yeah. place and stuff. So yeah, it's it's this weird like mysticism, bits and spurts of things here and there, yeah. little dabbles. It's fucking weird, man. It's a trip. Yeah. As much as we've tried to dissect Mandy and really like give deeper meaning to a lot of stuff. It's also just a fun fucking horror movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, if you want to, you don't have to read into it like that to enjoy this movie. Like, this movie also features scenes of, like, a knife-dicked demon named Fuck Pig watching I was gonna porn say we ha- we and ha- snorting coke. We do have to name drop Fuck Pig um, at least once in this pig. episode. Um, and that's, isn't the, oh, that's the name of the credits. Yeah, fuck Pig. Fuck Pig, yeah. Uh, when we, this comes up about an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're over the hump. Uh, when we saw this in theaters, that scene made this old dude walk out. It's like, <laughs> dude, you lasted this long, and then the dude just like, it's like with that's his it. knife dick doing coke to porn. That was <laughs> that was your line. Of course, we saw a lot of people walk out of this movie. This is probably one of the most walked out of movies I've ever seen. Part of it was because there were like parents with like young kids, and it's like, did you guys there come were to the two wrong... separate families? Oh of, my god, right? Of like large kids, amounts of kids with them. Yeah, we were just like, did you come to the wrong theater? Like at the start of the showing, because it was fairly sparsely attended in our mm-hmm. neck of the woods. I would say the audience was about a third small children. Yeah, that's thing. true, and it's like um, this. Okay, and they left pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The second family, like, they, they lasted until stuff started getting grim, but mm-hmm. it was just like, wow, you picked the wrong movie to take your right? kids to. Like, there's there's uh, Jeremiah's beepums, <laughs> and he's pounding off angrily. And then the old man was just like, yeah, fuck pig, too much for me. Yeah, I couldn't handle fuck pig. I can't remember if he walked out when, when Red, like, picks up all that coke and just snorts the fuck out of it. It was during that sequence. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when. Because yeah, we were laughing Everybody's neck, and then he just, like, reaches a handful of coke Well, he picks up table. that piece of glass that's just Oh, yeah, that piece of glass, and, and just, like, and just, like, stuck in the blood all over his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. Um... One thing that didn't oh, no, quite... oh, one other thing when you're saying that this movie has everything is this this it has chainsaw fight. It has a chainsaw fight. It has a chainsaw this fight. This fills in with the proud tradition of chainsaw fights. I'm mm-hmm. thinking like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, Motel Hell, Phantasm two. In fact, they even play the bit kind of like in Phantasm two, where the dude rocks up and he's got the chainsaw. He's like, I've got my chainsaw. Time to die. And then the other dude's just like, Oh yeah, and pulls out a chainsaw that's like taller than he is. Yeah. Kind of thing. That's like, like that's like yeah. straight Phantasm two right there. <laughs> um, good stuff. One thing that didn't quite work for me in this movie were the animated sequences. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked the idea of it. It just, it didn't quite click. That's fair. With me. Um, Did you find a little, like, huh? It reminded me of, going back to the whole, this being in the 80s, it reminded me of, like, those adult cartoons in the 80s, like, heavy metal and stuff like mm. this. Like, that felt so heavy metal with, 
you know, the one where the lady's, like, riding the giant hawk and she has the sword aloft. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's Mandy all over. Right. But it just didn't quite. Like, those were Red's dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And I did, it wasn't that they did it animated. Maybe it was the style of animation. Maybe it was just how they came into the movie or when they came in. But that was the part above anything else that kind of pulled me from it a little bit. Right. Yeah, I guess um, same, honestly. Yeah. So, eh. I liked the idea of it, but mm-hmm. the execution left a little to be desired, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know what I would change about it to make it not the yeah, case. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's fucking Mandy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like this movie, and I would recommend people watch it. Mm-hmm. I recently saw some tweets where people were talking about how it was, like, the worst movie of the last decade. And it's like, okay, I can appreciate someone thinking it sucks or not liking it, but whoa, buddy. But for, like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting take, to say the least, but... Yeah. It's a little dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, recommendations. Uh, the recommendation to myself and to you, but it's not my recommendation recommendation because I haven't seen it, but I recommend that we watch... Um, Panos' first movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Let's do it. Because I was looking up, when I was trying to think of recommendations, I was like looking up, what are some good psychedelic horror movies, trying to jog my memory. And every list I came to had it, like, topping the list was his first movie. So I was like, oh, shit, I need to see this movie. That's what this Um, dude does. Yeah. So we'll need to check that out. I've heard really good things about it. Cool. I'm Uh, down. But my recommendation of things I have seen is going to be 1980s Altered States by Ken Russell. It's a... based on this dude who did, like, LSD experiments, where you take LSD and stay in a sensor deprivation tank to see what happens. But then the movie is just, like, the ultimate trip out what the fuck. Like, you've seen gifts from it for sure, like the 20-eyed, goat-headed Jesus crucified kind of thing. Like, that gif is from this movie. Oh, okay. Just tons of stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure I'd recognize. Um, I haven't seen it in years. Uh... So I'm looking forward to rewatching it, but I remember just being like, actually, the first time I saw it, I was so young that I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? And it's sort of stuck with me in the back of my head since, but I look forward to rewatching it. Cool. I'm down. Yeah. I'm going to recommend 2015's The Devil's Candy. Oh, yes. Some heavy metal horror. Yes. That's about, I mean, there's, there's weird visuals in it for sure. Then yeah. like some kind of like borderline sort of like religious Good use of soundtrack, Mis- too. Yeah, good use of soundtrack. There's some, like, mystical-type imagery. You have some, like, oh, what's going on here? I mean, Devil's right in the title. Yeah. But, it, yeah, it's it's another one that we've joked in the past that we need to do, like, specifically a heavy metal horror episode. We're like, yeah. Mandy, Devil's Candy, and then... And we need one that rhymes with that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> fun fact, uh, you might already know this, but Devil's Candy was directed by the dude who did The Loved Ones. Right! So, okay, yeah. I remember you told me that when we watched it. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they're very the totally different, but they're Extremely. both really good fucking movies. They are. Um, look forward to watching Devil's Candy again. There's mm-hmm. one sequence in particular that is probably one of the most tense sequences I've watched in like a recent movie. Mm. So I just remember it'll hold a place in my heart for, for actually making me go to the edge of my seat a little nice. bit. So. But yeah, that should do it for today, I guess. Um, thanks for sticking around while we, uh, we're not, I realized that we did an episode a couple episodes ago that was just Blood Feast. I mean, it was Video Nasties and then Blood Feast. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not so much trying to like change format, but I like that we have some variety. So they're not all going to be, let's just pick one movie 
and mm-hmm. pick it apart. But they're also not all going to be like, let's pick three to five movies. Yeah, I think it just depends on the movies and how we want to approach them, right? It also depends on the week and how much we have, yeah. how much movie ta- watching time we have available to us. Yeah, this was a hectic us. week. Um, we almost decided to dip into our emergency reserve, but we figured, no, we can we can record one, but we only have time for one movie, mm-hmm. so uh, Let's make we had movie. a few episodes, we have a few movies that we thought, we'll do an episode about this movie, so mm-hmm. we kind of reached into that well. But hey, if maybe people really like this stuff, and uh, we can, like, okay, gotcha, we'll do more of these style episodes in the future. Um, but, you know, I think mixing it up's good, mm-hmm. and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Variety and, is the spice you know, of life. And if you are liking the podcast, uh, maybe tell a friend about it. Or, you know, like, we're on social media, um, spread the word and Could all be that. super cool. Or throw us a rating on uh, the uh, Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcast. Just, yeah, you know, stuff that, that stuff helps. It feels uh, very boilerplate just to ask that kind of thing. But it definitely does help mm-hmm. to kind of expand it. Like, we've gotten some notice more than I thought we would from some pretty cool places. And we've mm-hmm. gotten some fans, and I'm so grateful for that. Some listeners. Um, I still think fans might be a bit... I think we got a bit of both. This is I true, think, yeah. I think, some, I, I think it yeah. would be safe to say, but I also am like, oh, I don't want to be too aggressive here. That's like, fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but either way, like, it's already kind of blown me away. Mm-hmm. With, like, some of the stuff that we've gotten. Well, we got, way. like, written up in Room Org, which yeah, that was, pretty cool. was fucking crazy. Uh, but it's one of those things where, yeah, uh, it's because of people telling their friends about it or sharing it and all that stuff that that we're actually growing like that so if people could do that keep doing that that'd be really really appreciate it um if not say lovey the one Mm. thing you can do is you can take it easy and keep it sleazy